A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Here we go. Hello and welcome to another edition of Top Flight Time Machine, the podcast where we go back in time to the beginning of the Premier League history and then travel forwards into the future like Michael J. Fox or something. I'm Andy Dawson. I'm Sam Delaney. And this episode sees us covering the season 1996 to 1997. Do you have any initial sort of one-sentence thoughts about that before we begin, Sam? This is the post-Euro 96 season where everyone was still on a high about football as a yep. result of our adventures in that tournament. There was an influx of foreign players which made everything seem extra exotic and I personally have extremely fond memories of the time. The sun always shone and the beer was delicious. It was. A lot of Caffrey's being... Do you remember Caffrey's being a thing I do remember Caffrey's, yeah. I didn't dabble in Caffrey's because no, I'm can from tell you, Yeah, you're not the, the sort of guy who'd have any truck with that. Down south, we were experimenting a great deal with mm. Caffrey's and, of course, uh, Hooch, the alcohol. I'll tell you time. what I did drink at the time. Carlin Premier. Mm. which was a bit smoother than your average lager yeah, and a bit creamier. So it was kind of in that Caffrey's area. Yeah, it had a special, what do you call it, tap on the bar that looked fancy. It was when Carlin briefly tried to go up market. Yeah, yeah, it was. What was that other one that was around as well? Oh, not ice beer. There used to be an ice tap thing that Mm. would serve it to you, ice cold. A lot of beers introduced... Enigma. (laughs) Enigma. (laughs) I'm pretty sure Enigma was the name of a um, series of pornography films as it well. might have been that that I'm thinking of, yeah, yeah and not mm. actually beer. Yeah, either way, though, lovely times. Great times, yeah. yeah. Let's but at the beginning of the season, and Sky, of course, did their traditional promo ad thing, and for 96, 97, I noticed when I watched it back again, Sky had fucking everything. All the domestic football, Premier League, Football League, FA Cup, Coca-Cola Cup, as it was then, England matches... They had the lot. It wasn't like the disparate bollocks that we've got now yeah. where you've got to have nine different subscriptions to be able to watch all the football. Sky had the lot and we were just what, mesmerised, seduced, yeah, enthralled. Prisoners. They, we were prisoners. They bought our minds, but in many ways we were merry prisoners. We were. Like, Giddy. Well, like in Goodfellas. It was, uh, yeah. it was really similar to the setup in Goodfellas where you you watch them and they've got the salami and the red slicing wine. The, slicing and the slicing garlic. the garlic with the razor and you think, that looks fan Fantastic. I'll do that. I'd, I'd happily... That is a much better quality of life than I enjoy outside on the civvy street. And if they only had Premier League coverage as well in that prison, you know, you wanted you wandered in with your arms outstretched and you said, just cuff me now. Handcuff me now. I'm ready. Uh, speaking of um, happy prison times, another thing that always reminded me of that was I got to know the great train robber Bruce Reynolds years ago he was like i interviewed him for a magazine and we sort of stayed in touch and became quite friendly can nice i just guy. say i like how we've already deviated from yeah, the premier league yeah. but i'll, I'll easily bring coming it back, back. Okay. 
And he told me when he was, you know, he was on the run for many years. And when he eventually was caught yep. and he went into prison. And I said, what was it like? And he said, well, I was on a secure wing with a lot of other career criminals who I already knew and had known since more or less childhood. He goes, and there was only a few of us. So we were away from the oi polloi. He went and um, he goes, you know, you'd work out all day in the gym. So you'd feel like King Kong. You'd be full of endorphins. And then in the evening after you'd had your dinner, you'd go around someone's cell and we'd usually cook up some pancakes with sugar and lemon on a little Bunsen burner. Every he goes, night? Yeah. And he goes, yeah. Jesus. No, no, this is it. He goes, we'd, we'd smoke what, what we could get very easily, more than alcohol or anything, he goes, was hashish. He said, so we'd... It, we'd all get really high, smoke loads and loads of hashish, and then cook up these pancakes. And he goes, we'd be rolling around laughing so much, I used to have to crawl back to my cell at the end of the night because I'd be laughing so much. He goes, the missus hates it when I say this, so don't put it in print, but it was the best fucking time of my life. <laughs> and it made me... And he painted such a lovely picture of it. I don't know if I've done it justice the way he told it, but it made me think of the Goodfellas story. And the way I'm going to bring it back to the Premier League is that... That's how I felt when Sky bought all the rights because we, I got Sky, me and my mates, I was a student, we all chipped in to get the Sky package yeah. and all we did was watch game after game after game and after game. Hashish. And smoke yeah, hashish. And we did smoke hashish. We didn't cook many pancakes, we would have liked to. There wasn't time for everything, no, was there? No, exactly, we couldn't fit it all in. This is it! Right at the start of the season, there was a, another big bunch of exciting, sexy foreigners that came into the Premier League, including Carol Poborski, yeah, oh who'd done a job, sexy. of course, in the um, in the Euro '96. Like a squashed Michael Bolton, he was mm. very much so. Yeah, at Middlesbrough, they brought in Emerson mm. and Ravanelli mm. to augment what they already had in Janino. Obviously, they were going to push for a challenge for the the title off of Europe or something like that, but Ravanelli. Interestingly, had come from his very last kick of a football before he signed for Middlesbrough was to score the winner in the Champions League final. Well, it wasn't the last kick that he did, but his last match before signing for Middlesbrough was to score the winner in the Champions League final for Juventus. And then he went to Middlesbrough. He, that, this was the thing. He, he, for me, was a landmark arrival in the Premier League because until then, the sort of foreigners that are generally been purchased by English teams tended to be those who were either coming up like Janino mm. or were maybe Twilight slightly years. in decline. Like Invialli yeah. was still great, yeah. but it was like he'd had his very best years. Ravanelli was at his very peak. He'd won the Champions League and then he signed for fucking Middlesbrough. <laughs> what a strange time but this was. He had the hairstyle of a man who was in his twilight years. He did, yeah. And on the brink of retirement. But that. he wasn't. It was the old switcheroo. Did you know anyone have you do you know anyone who's been that prematurely grey? As the uh, as the white feather, which of course was Ravenelli's was nickname. nickname. Wasn't it the white feather? Mm. Um I don't think I can think of anybody I've known personally. Probably myself, I feel as though I'm kind of in decline. You're, yeah, I mean, you're due not to hair colour wise. Well, I haven't got much hair. If I do, let you're it not, grow. You're, first of all, you're not going grey. Well, Second of all, if you were, you're of an age that it would be expected. Oh well, that's all. There right. is I'll... no similarities between you and Fabrizio Ravanelli. Stop, stop it, Sam. Stop all the flattery. It's embarrassing me. Who else came in that season? Uh, Roberto Di Matteo. He was another one who was kind of not in decline. He was yeah. kind of at his peak as well. Where Patrick did he come Berger. from? Lazio. 
somewhere like Lazio, that. Lazio, yeah. Lazio, we're good. Let's say that it was Lazio. Yeah, it's not. It's not fucking Wikipedia. <laughs> um, Patrick Berger, a beautiful man. What a, a gorgeous man. Beautiful man, signed uh, for Liverpool, of course, and the aforementioned Viali. Uh, Chelsea had a new manager, Rude Hullett. So who had he taken from... Glenn Hoddle, who had left, of course, to take over the England, England job right, yeah. after Terry Venables was wrongly deposed. So Hullet had been playing already under Hoddle Hullet was and the, he was, the player, became manager. player manager. He did. He did indeed. So the player managers were a thing back then, weren't they? They were, yeah. There's quite a few of them in this in this uh, episode, I think. Uh, or possibly the next one. And the world record transfer fee had been shattered in mm. 1996. Newcastle forked out £15 million Alan Shearer. I'll never forget the morning I woke up and heard that on the radio in the days before all speculation and the internet. It just and happened. Twitter, like that, didn't it Bang. just happened. I mean, people had been talking about him moving, and the big expectation was he would move to Manchester United. It was. They were his biggest suitors. Yeah, and there were some foreign teams as well. And Newcastle were not really anywhere near the front of the queue, according to the newspapers. And he yep. woke up in the morning, said he's gone to Newcastle for £15 million. And it was such a great story because, of course, he'd chosen... It's one of those wonderful things. He, he had his pick of clubs. He could have gone anywhere. And he chose his hometown club. He did. It, it was a, a typical Keegan yeah. kind of deal as well, wasn't so it? So romantic. It was. And that put Shearer up front with Ferdinand at Newcastle and with a Spreer there as well and Ginola. So what it was a, silly, really. It wasn't was it? ridiculous. Yeah, mm. they they they'd blown the the league title the season before, because they threw away matches. So what did they do? They went and bought another striker. Well, let's see how that pans out for them. Hmm. Right. Um. First day of the season, David Beckham at Wimbledon. That goal was that the first day of the that season. That was the very first day of the season. Yeah, I'd never heard of David Beckham until that moment. I don't think. I think he'd made a few appearances for United he, the he'd season won the league before. The season before, but he hadn't United. been a first team regular. I don't think he'd done anything dramatic. He'd mm. certainly not scored from the frigging halfway line. Yeah, but he did that. That was the first day of the season. Also on the first day of the season, going back to Ravanelli, the White Feather. He got a hat trick on his debut for Middlesbrough against uh, Liverpool. Yeah, three-three draw. So that was that. Early on in the season, there was a little bit of managerial hoo-ha going on. Kenny Dalglish, who seemed to have just lost interest in Blackburn after they'd won the Premier League a couple yeah. of years before, um, he left altogether. The season before, of course, he'd become director of football and they put Rhea Harford in charge. Peculiar move. It didn't really work for anybody, yeah. did it? And then Dalglish just decided just to go altogether. Rhea Harford followed him in October. He resigned. Again, wow. that thing where managers resign... No one does that anymore, do no they? No one does that anymore, no. They just, they and wait rightly for the, the so, sack. why should they? Exactly. Just dig your heels in and wait for the payoff. Mm. Um, at Leeds, Howard Wilkinson was sacked. And I've got a quote here from Howard Wilkinson. It was good because these days when a manager does get sacked, it's quite well stage managed. There tends to be a statement that's released from the club mm. and the manager might release a statement as well on Twitter or something like that. Mm. Howard Wilkinson was sacked and instantly appeared in front of a press conference to vent spleen, let's say. And I've got one of the quotes from what he said there, uh, which was, uh, I'll try and do my Howard Wilkinson voice. Yeah. Oh. I've been sacked for reasons which they think are sound, but hopefully the future will prove them wrong. <laughs> you know That's a bit mean-spirited. Exactly. None of that kind of, um, well, it's come to an end. It was a, a glorious mm. journey. We won the league. Or I've made mistakes and perhaps I could have done things differently. <laughs> no, no. Reasons which they think are sound, but hopefully the future will prove them wrong. Yeah, I mean, you could. he could. The halfway compromise would have been, 
They think they're sound reasons. I disagree. Yeah. But whatever, thank you and goodbye. That's the compromise. But what he's effectively said is they're wrong. Yeah. And I hope, I wish failure upon them in the Pretty future. Much. Yeah. Even though I've worked here for a period of time and all of the people I know here, some of them I like, you know, I've got relationships with them. Right down to the tea lady, I wish ill upon each and every, every one of them. One of them. I, hope the, I hope the club falls to it's, dust. It's like the mad witch Maleficent in yeah. Sleeping Beauty. He was basically behaving like her. He's put a curse on Leeds United. <laughs> he has, yeah. And it could be said that it worked as well with hindsight. Yeah. He did. He, yeah, maybe Howard Wilkinson does possess um, control over the dark arts in some way. Well, let's see. Well, he went to Sunderland and he, he fucked us he up. He worked so. his magic on yeah, them. Yeah, I think he just did uh, yeah, wherever uh, he goes. Uh, Sunderland, um, the, the former Sunderland left-back Michael Gray yep. told me that one of the team talks or motivational sessions that, that <laughs> Howard Wilkinson did um, was to put a, like sit them all at tables and walk around the room and put lumps of clay in front of them <laughs> and just tell them to sculpt it into whatever felt express they felt. Yourselves, it, yeah, express yourselves with these clay. <clears throat> and another time, he sat them all down in a room and just showed them a video of, you know when those swallows all fly in shapes together? <laughs> you know those where they fly in, in synchronised shapes, yeah. you know? yeah. And he just showed them that for like an hour and then said training's <laughs> over and they could go home. <laughs> He'd lost his mind. Oh, had he? Or was he just ahead of his time? Maybe, Was yeah, he I operating mean... on a completely different plane to the yeah. rest of us? <laughs> yeah, I hope in the future you will be proved wrong <laughs> for laughing at these training sessions. Michael Gray today is a very successful erudite man. Mm. He appears on radio and television. He's yeah. well-dressed, smartly turned out. He's extremely out. handsome. He speaks well. Mm. For someone who's from Sunderland. He's got a great physique. He has. Yeah. And perhaps that all goes back to his time with Howard Wilkinson and yeah. the clear and the swallows. And, you know, yeah. who are we to judge? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he doesn't tell me. He didn't tell me that story in a sort of an exasperated way. Just sort of more like it was an interesting story. So perhaps he was trying to tell me that's that's the way to build a team spirit. Perhaps it was a cry for help. But it didn't really manifest itself in results while he was something manager. No, no, we were relegated with uh, 19 oh, points. It was oh, one of the worst go. seasons I've ever witnessed. Uh, so, yeah, Wilkinson left Leeds United and he was replaced by George Graham. Yeah. Back from his um, period of disgrace, I suppose, after he was sacked by Arsenal for uh, financial shenanigans, Leeds decided that they would give him a go because, obviously, they had done Revy in the past, so... That kind of thing wasn't unusual to them. Um, <laughs> oh, so, they love it. They seek it out. Oh, of course they do. And uh, speaking of um, corruption and bad behaviour, Tony Adams took a brief break from the game. He, in September, he announced that he was an alcoholic. Yeah. Uh, took some time out and did whatever it was that he I think he learned to play the piano, didn't he? Yeah, well, he did his 12 steps. And then yeah. after that... He learnt to play piano and started reading Shakespeare. And, and he then started becoming Bob, very high Bob's your uncle. Didn't he? He's been sound as a pound, sober mm. ever since. So good luck to him. He used his phrases like, such sort of like, um, when a man looks inside himself, yeah. <laughs> yeah. what does he see? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That kind of thing. And you wouldn't, and I, I say fair play to all of that sort of stuff. It was just quite incongruous <laughs> coming from the mouth 
of Tony Adams, a man who previously was just known as the most no-nonsense, blood-and-guts, unreconstructed man in English football. Regarded as a donkey. Yeah, and suddenly, and he's regarded as a donkey, and suddenly, oh, he's he's full of all the uh, spiritual, he was basically like a walking meme. He was. It was, when a man looks inside himself, what does he see? Yeah, and it worked like- for him. And t- the other thing that I noticed about him, when he did come back, and he, he did come back, and fair play to him, he fought his way back from the very from a cliff edge, a cliff edge of addiction. Mm. And he came back and captained Arsenal to a double. Not this season, I'm getting a bit ahead no of spoilers. myself. No spoilers. I'm not going to spoil it. But one key thing I noticed about him, was that he'd grown some conspicuous sideburns that ah. were, and that he had something of the art teacher the about him. The telltale sign of the intellectual, the sideburns. It was like, I'm sober, and it, he came back, <laughs> and he had these sideburns peeping below a slightly longer, shaggier hairstyle. Yeah. And he thought, hello, what's all this? And then, when he opened his mouth and started saying, when a man looks inside himself, you thought, oh, I see. Cultural he's been, odyssey. He's been on a journey. Yeah. Um, he's right. been on a road to Damascus and he's yeah. a better man for it and next thing you know again sorry for the spoiler because I don't think I'm this season he was shagging Caprice Whee. and you know that was, the, everything it was, a, it was a neat conclusion to the Tony Adams story yep uh, you know when a man looks inside himself worse previously it would have been um, I'll have six pints of Guinness plays Purry <laughs> yeah. the season yeah. beforehand because he always said in his book, when he talks about, he, you know, he was proud of being an accomplished drinker. He said, not only was yeah. I a big drinker, I was proud of it. I wasn't mm. ashamed. And he said, I was I was known in the pub that we would go to as being famous for the only man who could drink Guinness at the speed that most men could drink lager. Yeah, I remember this book coming out and friends of mine at the time, we, we enjoyed a drink as well. Yeah, I'll, I'll admit enough. that. Yeah. And we, we, we read the book and Adams admitted to a session of regular sessions would include six pints of Guinness and then home. We mm. didn't think that was particularly I know, heavy drinking. Well, <laughs> it's not, but that's, that's just, just normal. That's just what you do after work. Yeah. So anyway. And, he, and what he would do is meet. he'd train in a black bin bag as well. What he'd do is he'd say, if, if I'd been on the piss the night before, he goes, it was fine. I'd go into training and I would just put a bin bag on under yeah. my training top and I'd just sweat it all off. Yeah, and this was under George Graham and then Bruce Rioch. Yeah. But of course, there was warning that Arsene Wenger was coming because it, it was announced and then he didn't actually arrive for another couple of months. Mm. So I think Adams took a look at the bigger picture and got, swatted up on this on Wenger. The, on French culture. Yeah. <laughs> Realised <laughs> that six pints of Guinness and then running around in a bin bag wasn't the Gallic way yeah. and thought, I better brush up my act here. He'd heard the rumours about Wenger and his pasta diet. And yeah. thought things are going to change. So pasta and broccoli and vitamin yeah, pills. Get myself into um, into rehab for a, a few weeks. So good timing because Wenger arrived um, September, October, something like that. And Adams was back in the team October, November. Mm. A, a change man, a new man, and and you know Wenger's Wenger's captain with his sideburns with his and sideburns his uh, and his, his piano and his sayings and all of that. Yeah. So that's Tony Adams. Do you have a bit of music, Sam? Let's do it. Good, good era for music. Still, do you think this? Not bad. Were they struggling towards Get, the end it, of the nineties? It, it, it's getting worse. Here's a couple of tunes. We'll see what we think.
there we are. Um, Born Slippy from Underworld, which of course was in Train Spotting. So Train Spotting was out in 1996, presumably. Yeah. Uh, okay. And then uh, the last track we heard there was Love Fool by the Cardigans, which I think's been recently redone in one of those winsome acoustic styles oh, for an advert. No. So it's been completely oh. ruined now. I quite liked that song. Yeah, the original version. It was on the radio non stop at the mm. time, Love Fool. But was it also out of him? Was it the one out of. Um, uh, Romeo and Juliet. It was. Mm. That's the one. So both of those songs we've just heard are from two movies from the era. Two movies from the era. Have you got your list of movies today? My laptop's run out of power, oh, you just Andy. Said, yeah, right. So well. I can tell you that um, <laughs> Romeo and Juliet and Trainspotting yeah, both really? came out. Yeah, yeah. That's all I've got. That's okay. all I've got for you, mate. That's not a problem. Right, let's move on. What else have we got? 96, 97, October... I can confirm that the cars were no longer parked behind the goal at Chelsea because the shed mm. end was being rebuilt as a, an all-seater. So that... That, no, that was the end of an era. End of an era. We've got back to the, the, the players' cars, we thought it was. Yeah, it? It's the players pulled up and just got straight out of the car and ran straight onto the pitch. Sometimes <laughs> some of them were late. Yeah. And the game had already been going on for 10 minutes. It's like on your Monday night five-a-sides. Yeah. You just have to drive and run straight on. Exactly. And in the days of, I don't know, Nigel Spatman and John Bumpstead, that's what used to happen. They're probably driving together. Yeah. I reckon. Uh, elsewhere in October... Bumstead and Spackman. <laughs> Sounds like an 80s cop <laughs> show, doesn't it? Isn't yeah. It? yeah. <laughs> uh, what have we got? Newcastle 5, Manchester United 0. Everyone oh. remembers where they were when they saw that, surely. I remember being in a pub in Brighton watching that, and I remember... Was that the goal where Philippe Albert... Philippe, Philippe Albert, everyone, everyone knows, knows his, his name. name. He chipped the he, he chipped Schmeichel presumably for, goal. for for from miles out just to really yeah. rub it in yeah just a cheeky bastard mm. sort of fifth goal yeah which just completely demoralised United um, and Newcastle needed a draw from that match to go top of the table and they got and they a lot absolutely more. They got a lot more now at that point we would have thought that's it Newcastle have had enough they they they're so gutted about what happened last season. They've signed Shearer, and yep. now the title's theirs. You would have got to be in the, the bag. Suspend betting on Newcastle. Mm. I've got a good quote as well from Kevin Keegan after that five-nil thrashing of mm. Manchester United. He was obviously delirious with the victory, and he said, uh, "I'll try and do a Keegan voice if I can." Mm. Mm, Kevin Keegan. Um, These people expect miracles. Our job: try and provide them. We know we can't, but we've got to try. And today, the lads got as near as possible to producing miracles. I'm, I'm, I'm going to try and break that down a bit if I can. These people expect miracles. Obviously, referring to the fans. Our job: try and provide them. Well, that's fair enough because the fans are expecting them. But then he says, "We know we can't." So he's immediately admitting defeat. Mm about the miracle production that the fans are expecting. But he says, but we've got to try. Yeah. Probably a bit like the dwarfs in Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, I reckon. Yeah. And then he said, and today the lads got to as near to producing miracles. So what he's saying okay. is he can never provide for the Newcastle fans what they want, but they're trying. And, and we, today, got, we got as close got as, as is close. humanly possible. A 5-0 thrashing of Manchester United. He said, yeah, we, we, haven't, we haven't healed the, the, a leper. No. We haven't touched a leper and healed him. No, no. We haven't turned, um, what is it, what did he turn, water into wine? No. We haven't fed loads of people with fish and bread that we no. conjured out of a, that's a youngster's ear. That's what the fans want at St. That's James's Park. That's what the fans want to see. We can't do that. We've managed to beat United 5-0. That's all you're getting. We've got to hope it's something. We've got to hope it's enough, haven't you? 
Once I was listening to the radio on the way home from West Ham and there was a post-match interview with Kevin Keegan when he was manager of Manchester City and the now disgraced broadcaster Stuart Hall was interviewing him and he said um, Sean Mike Phillips was sent off for swearing. What have you got to say about that? And he said, I don't believe Sean Mike Phillips could swear. I don't (laughs) think he knows any swear words. He goes, he's a lovely lad. He's got a heart as big as his body. And that's... (laughs) And he goes, and that's not big, but his heart's bigger. <laughs> and it follows the same pattern of what you've just said, yeah, in does. that it's a constant cycle of of contradictory statements all yeah. wrapped into one, delivered so quickly and with the trademark Kevin Keegan sort of boyish charm yep. that you don't notice what's going on. It's a whirlwind of, of contradictions, but yeah. he's gone... He's got a heart as big as his body, which immediately is a horrible image, isn't it? Imagine that. It's sort of squeezed right down into your legs and toes. A heart with a couple of feet on the bottom. And and then it's occurred to him that actually his body's not... And that's not big. And then he's immediately thought... But for a heart, heart, it is. His heart's bigger. So you, you just said his heart was as big, was the same size. But now you're saying that his heart is actually... Bigger than his entire body. So what do we How think? How could that work? It's Sean Wright Phillips, what, 5'3"? About 5'3". And his <laughs> so heart... His heart's bigger than that. His so heart's 5'5". Five, five, five. Yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of coming out of his ears and yeah. it comes out. Is it... Is it Hanging a bit out like, of his arse. Is it like the man in the moon? And Sean Wright Phillips' <laughs> sort of features in the top ventricles, is it? Of yeah, the heart? he's like a walking heart. So there's a couple of little feet on the bottom, like them, them that's, M&Ms that's that have the, got a human um, form. That's the vena cava and the main... Right. Uh, our, our, there was two famous tubes out a of the heart. football boots mm. on the bottom. Yeah. So that's Sean Wright Phillips. He's not, we haven't his actually heart's got as the... big as his body, and that's not big, but his heart's bigger. <laughs> this is it! Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, get 20, 20, get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is it! Um, and how did Manchester United deal with that that horrific 5-0 defeat? Did, did, you they, know? did they go out and buy a player? No, the following weekend they got battered 6-3 at Southampton. And was that the famous game of the grey kits? It was not. It wasn't? It was not, So it was a no. different time they lost Southampton. a different one. So Southampton, uh, during this period, thrashed them a few times. Yeah, yeah, I think they were 3-0 down at half-time in that, that, 
great kit fiasco. Right. Unless it was the same one, it might it could be. be yeah. I don't know. Who knows? I've put you on the spot there. Who cares? Um, presumably that was entirely uh, brought about by Matthew Letizia, as every yep, good thing scored, that ever happened to Southampton he was. He scored and uh, provided assists for all six of the goals that day. Um, sticking with Southampton and moving on to November 96, Southampton's big signing of that season was Ali Dyer. Who remembers Ali Dyer? Is he... I do remember him. Was he the one who... He was. He wasn't the one who claimed to be a relative of um, George Weyer. He was. He was, he was yeah. indeed. So that was Graham Souness. Graham Souness bought him on the suggestion of an agent. On or the something. back of a phone call from George Weyer. I'm doing air. Yeah, but it wasn't um, really George Weyer. What do you so call him? I read Graham Souness's biography recently, which, <clears throat> needless to say, is insane. And <laughs> he. He described this incident as if, like, yeah, it could have happened to anyone. I said, hang on, your whole sort of brand is your this no-nonsense, button-down, you know, uh, say it how it is, and you can't pull the wool over my eyes kind of a character, right? Yeah. But if someone like, let's say, Ian Holloway or Barry Fry or or even Kevin Keegan had made a mistake like this or Harry Redknapp, people would have laughed and laughed about it forever. And, and they would have laughed with them, I think. Yeah, and yeah, they would have done. But Souness tries to say, well, you shouldn't laugh because it could happen to anyone. No, you bought a player because someone ringing up, doing a bad comedy a African accent. <laughs> Hello, this is uh, this <laughs> this is George Weir, the footballer, <laughs> uh, the footballer from AC Milan. <laughs> Am I speaking to Graham Souness, please? Yes, this is Graham Souness. <laughs> I have a tremendous recommendation for you. It is my cousin. He is a wonderful footballer. Better than me. <laughs> All right, I'll take a look at him then, shall I? <laughs> give him six-month contract. It was kind of like the, the precursor to those uh, Nigerian spam emails, wasn't it, really? <laughs> yeah, I'm an African Before prince. the internet came along. <laughs> exactly, it's when you had to do those things over the phone, and it worked. <laughs> On Mr. No Nonsense himself, Graham Souness. Is what the George Weir? Yes! Oh, the George so, Weir! <laughs> Who do you think this, it? it's not some other George Weir? This is your lucky day, Mr. Souness. <laughs> I have been watching you, Mr. Souness, and your Southampton team. And that is why I've chosen you above any other Premier League manager to recommend this once in a lifetime opportunity. <laughs> All you have to do is give me your bank details. I have a pen. All right, wait, wait there, the new. I'll just go and get my card. I'll get my checkbook. Wait there, don't go anywhere. This is too good to be true. (laughs) This is the shot in the arm we need. (laughs) So, actually, did you see Sooners? It was the last game of the season at Manchester City, and it was his 65th birthday. Mm. And they presented him with a Manchester City shirt with a 65 on the back and Sooners written on the back. I bet he was furious. He looked like he was going to fucking kill everyone in that stadium. It was brilliant. Yeah, because the the wind-up is the Man City thing, I suppose, a little bit. But... Basically, for a man like Souness, acknowledging that he has a birthday is so girly as he would see it. Acknowledging the passage of time yeah. and the decay. Exactly, because <laughs> he, he believes that he can cheat time because he's that hard. 1992, Liverpool manager, he had open heart surgery and then sat on the bench for the FA Cup final 10 days later. <laughs> Looking fucked up. <laughs> Looking half dead and still managed to coach Liverpool to a victory over my wretched Sunderland oh, team. I remember that. That was a poor final. But he sat there with a blanket over his fucking knees and... <laughs> drinking yeah oh god he'd be furious he thinks birthdays are for um 
like uh, Nancy's and Ponce's, doesn't he? <laughs> so, yep, Ali Dyer signed for Southampton, got on as a sub, and he played about 18 minutes. Everyone realised immediately. <laughs> to to be it, fair, it, yeah. So, but this is a, a question that everyone's probably asked themselves is, if you, I don't know how good a footballer you are. I'm a pretty poor footballer. Pretty However, average. if you if you roll me a football in the park, right? If a football rolls to me, yeah, I am able to flick it up and do a number of <laughs> kick ups like the Karate Kid does, yeah. right? In the Karate Kid, and like I can juggle it a bit, and then I can kick it in a way that makes you me, people think, oh, he knows how to play yeah. football. However, if you put me in a pitch situation now. I would, you know, I would be, I would be shit, right? Um, but I've always wondered how long could you get away with masquerading as a proper player in a professional at match at the top level? At the top level, before someone said, "You're not just having a bad game; you literally cannot play you football." Do get not belong off. in this profession. Yeah, don't know. I, now, obviously, I'm 45. Yeah, so but all right. So when you second, when were you in your football in prime? 18? Probably about that, yeah. So when you, you know, if you'd played it simple and just got the That's ball and the, laid it off. Get it and give it, yeah. yeah. A, a minute and a half, I reckon. <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah, so so what you're saying is Ali Dia did yeah. all right. He did, he got 18 minutes out of it. Yeah, I yeah. mean, he had played football. Mm. He, he wasn't just a fella. He had <laughs> played football at some poxy level. Yeah. But, um, yeah, Sooness just fell for it hook, line and sinker. In the Liberian, like, fourth, fourth Ryman's like fucking league. Well, and... I think he ended up playing in Scotland, so that gives you an indication oh, you of, of, of... It's more or, or less that. the same thing, then. Yeah. Um, and the other big sign in that uh, month in November was uh, Gianfranco Zola signing for Chelsea. Wow. Big one. I and remember that. An instant hit, wasn't he? There was no pissing about Straight of acclimatising to the league or anything like that. I've been watching a lot of Italian football on Channel 4 in that era, and... Um, Zola played for a wonderful Palmer side that yep. also featured Aspria till Aspria left and went to, and, I, and I think maybe Thomas Brolin as well it was a great Palmer team in the, in the was, 90s yeah. and Zola was unbelievable Yeah, and when they signed him he played for Napoli as well with Maradona before that when they signed him I couldn't believe it because going mm. back to saying about Ravanelli was one of the first players that was signed when he was at his peak yep. but then Zola was one better next level I mean it? he was absolute mustard yeah the opposite of, of Ali Dyer. Very much, much so, yeah. Very so much that, so. So that was, that was Rude Hullet, you know, not messing about, trying to put together a team that would challenge for the for the league title. Uh, but we'll we'll see how that pans out later in the season. Shall we have a little bit more music, Let's Sam? do it. I like the way you work it. No diggity. I got to bag it up. Bag it up. I like the way you work it. No diggity. I got to bag it up. Bag it up. I like the way you work it. No diggity. I got to bag it up. Bag it up. I like the way you work it. No diggity. I got to bag it Of course, was Black Street with no diggity. Yeah, followed good song. by Insomnia by Faithless. Oh yeah, and I think they're pretty much the only two decent songs that were in the charts in the in the mm. autumn of '96. I think that was Doctor Dre with Black Street. It wasn't was, it? yeah, it was indeed. Yep, we're in December. Uh, Wimbledon with a surprise package of the season. 
They went on a 19-match unbeaten run, believe it or not, with Joe Kinnear as their manager. That sounds hard to believe, doesn't it? Joe Kinnear is now a comedy figure in the world of football. Yeah, because, of course, he was the one who claimed erroneously that he had been <laughs> ma- ma- manager of the year four, four times. Four times, I think it was, yeah. And but, the, but then we established, I think we've talked about this on the previous podcast, we established that, to be fair to him, he thought that was true because... He'd actually been manager of the month four times, but yeah. no one had had the balls to tell him that it was manager of the month. So they just told he'd, he'd assumed it was manager yeah. of the year, and no one had corrected him. You've got manager of the year again, Joe. <laughs> lovely, <laughs> lovely work, <laughs> diamond. <laughs> <laughs> now this is this is the season ninety six ninety seven when my Sunderland team. And they're not my Sunderland team. I don't own them yet, but um, they spent a rare season in the Premier League. And I've got to say, the best team that I saw us play against in that entire season, we got relegated, obviously, uh, was Wimbledon. We played Wimbledon a midweek match and we got beat 3-1 and they were fucking unbelievable. But were Strong, they, was, were they quick, not still playing long ball football? It was direct. Mm. It was direct. But, but it they was, were it, efficient. But yeah, they were, they were scarily good. And yeah, they had a 19-match unbeaten run and that came to an end in December with a 5-0 defeat at Aston Villa. So Do you want to hear a fun fact about Wimble- the Wimbledon team fact. of that era? Yes, please. My wife, Anna, was in the attic at her mother's house recently. Good digging, start. Digging through some stuff. Mm-hmm. She found all sorts of wonderful things. I'm not going to... It would take ages to explain all the wonderful stories, but she showed me this one. I meant to bring it in for you, Andy, because I thought you might find it momentarily distracting, but okay. I forgot, but I do have a photo of it here. She found this Robbie Earl um, Corinthian figure. Yeah, with the do big you head. The, the little, the little bodies and the big heads. bit like and, um, Sean Wright Phillips, but yeah. not. No, and there's no sign of his bits of his heart hanging not out of, of his bum hole. But he yeah, made of pure heart. <laughs> Uh, but Robbie Earl, I believe, was definitely in that team of that era. He was, yeah. Because I remember he went on to uh, star for Jamaica in the 98 World Cup. That's true. Not shortly after us. Anyway, she was a Wimbledon fan because she was from around there. And uh, she found that. And I was quite excited to have discovered it. My brother, who made commercials for a living, still does. He made a Corinthian figure commercial at that time. Right, because they were very big Corinthian figures um, during I used, this yeah, era. Yeah, I, I had I collected the England ones, the '96 yeah. Euro '96 England ones. Yeah, they were great. So my brother Theo was asked to make a commercial for them, and uh, it was great because the, the the idea for the commercial was a game was going on. They they played a real clip from a real game. In fact, I believe they ran the clip or they ran the footage of the game where Tony Yeboah scored that amazing volley against, I believe, Liverpool, was it? Yeah. And just as that happens, a hand, a huge human hand, like the hand of God, suddenly comes into the top of the frame, reaches down and picks Tony Yeboah off of the pitch. And then it cuts to another the frame. Actual Tony the Yeboah. actual Tony Yeboah. And then it cuts away. And in the same human hand is the Corinthian figure of Tony Yeboah. And it goes, Corinthian figures, you know, bring your real life heroes home. That could Whatever. only be achieved by camera trickery oh, and it was effects all sorts and of stuff, trickery. Yeah, industrial light and magic. George Lucas was in <laughs> Lucasfilm, had to get involved. <laughs> but a good thing about it was when he was making it, he they managed to get John Motson to do the commentary. <laughs> right. And what my brother did was he he got the sequence and he did the jiggery-pokery to make the hand come in. And he didn't give John Motson a script. He just said, I'm going to show you the video. Yeah. Just commentate what you see. Yeah. You don't need a script. You don't work to a script. You're John uh, Motson. You're John Motson. He went, yeah, quite right. I'll try and do a John Motson. <laughs> uh, you're quite right, Theo. Right. And so he starts watching. He goes, and the ball 
comes back out to Tony Yaboa. Oh, and what a goal from Yaboa. And then the hand comes in, but Motti didn't know it was coming. And he's gone. Oh, I say, this really is remarkable stuff. Some kind of giant hand has come onto the pitch and plucked Yaboa straight off and out of the stadium. How about that? Like, literally didn't miss a beat as if it was for and, real and i think motson thought it was real <laughs> and and they left his his first take was what went into the commercial Brilliant. who knows you might still be able to find it somewhere on youtube i hope so i'm gonna look <laughs> for that later on oh god into january in 1997 oh my god kevin keegan has quit newcastle oh kev fucking classic keegan you, he's you, gone out and spunk fifteen million yeah, on Alan Shearer, and then he's just panicked. You thrashed United five nil, and then what? He's had a couple of iffy results. He's yeah, gone, they were fourth. Oh, I they were fourth on the table. Yeah, he, said, he said, "I've took them as far as I can." Oh my god! Jesus oh my god! Christ! Kev, 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 Kev. These people expect miracles. Our job: try and provide them. <laughs> we know we can't, but we've got to try. And today, the lads got us near to producing miracles. And fuck this, I'm off. <laughs> I quit. Ta-ra. <laughs> and he did. He quit. He quit. No one knows why, really. He just, no. he just, he just, he didn't he know just why. Imploded. He didn't know. I think why. he just imploded. And of course, Kenny Dalglish took over. Yeah, that and must have been a little bit depressing it, for the Newcastle fans because yeah. although he was obviously a huge name, he'd won the league at two other big clubs. Yeah, but he wasn't Kevin Keegan. He wasn't he, the circus he, he, ringmaster. Was yeah, he? I mean, personality-wise, he was the opposite of Keegan, he wasn't was, he? Yeah. He was the anti-Keegan. He was. <laughs> He was. He still managed to get them second in the table at the end oh, of the season. Go. Not so, too bad. Mm. Um, also in January, Middlesbrough were deducted three points. What Do you for? remember why? They uh, they postponed a match away at Blackburn because they said they didn't have enough fit players. And this, they that said is they had not on. 23 I do remember that. players with a viral infection. Yeah, they deserved that point deduction. It did. Because, you, you know... If you need to play youth team players, you play youth team players. That's the name of the, the game. What they're saying is, we can't pick the team we would like to pick. Mm. And that makes no fucking sense. Again, we can't pick a good enough team to try and win this game. You can pick 11 players. Remember, Spurs played against West Ham that time when they'd had the dodgy lasagna. And they were all like shitting themselves throughout the game. They, they were having to run off and puke up and everything. Carnage, wasn't mm. it? We still only beat them 2-1, which is a bit embarrassing. That's what you would have predicted, though, isn't it? Mm. Uh, yeah, so and Middlesbrough didn't even kind of run it by the FA as far as I know. They just rang up Blackburn yeah. and said, yeah, we're not coming. Not on. Yeah, we haven't Fuck, got They should have been... Um, got uh, you, know what? you can see that I'm actually getting angry about this more now. Yeah. With the, the passage of time, I'm a more mature man. Obviously, as you get older, you become more conservative and <laughs> sort of, um, you know, you, you just become more rule-obsessed, don't yeah, you? Yeah, of course you and do, quite I think right. at the time I would have thought, yeah, go on. You know, I was a young student going, yeah, go on, you, you fucking rebel. Stick it to the man. You don't want to play. You Stick don't it have to Tony race. Parks. You're, you're, not their sla- <laughs> you're not slaves to the Premier League. You work for yourself. Go on, what's his name? What's his name? Steve Gibson. Steve Gibson, <laughs> you fucking pirate, right? You fucking pirate of the high seas. And now I'm like, that is disgusting. Throw them out of the league. Throw them out of the league. Three-point deduction was too little. They should have been thrown out. Well, we'll see how that all turned out later on in the season. But yeah, three points deducted. There was a great bit of footage as Brian Robson stormed out of the... Um, inquiry or wherever it is the, the, the hearing <laughs> where they got the three points deducted and he came out and there were some journalists throwing questions at him and all this uh, Brian what do you think about what what effect will this have uh, Brian 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 and he just walked off to his car and he just went no more questions 
<laughs> Stormed off Louis car. There's a lot of managers losing their shit in this yeah, era, wasn't there? Yeah, a lot of them. It's all stage managed now. It doesn't matter. It's, it's Howard Wilkinson, Brian Robson, Kevin Geegan. Well, yeah, it might be that it's stage manager, or maybe the criteria for a manager has become more apparent, and clubs realise that because of the huge scrutiny and pressure they're under, they have to take into account personalities and ability to deal with pressure more when they hire managers and at the time at the time they didn't think that they they, they were putting people who you could genuinely say were vulnerable individuals in the firing (laughs) i mean i would say keegan we all love kevin keegan really but you know he's a vulnerable person he he shouldn't have been put in that position it was irresponsible (laughs) of whoever ever employed him brian robson who had ever told brian robson what to do probably three people in his life Yeah, but also don't you think that brian robson has very sad eyes like a tiger in a zoo a cage tiger or a cage lion yeah do you know what i mean they're sort of if you imagine his eyes they're mournful yeah, like Droopy they're, the dog. They're, yeah, they're set in a droop like he wants to cry. Yeah. And he is, the, he's, well, what would you call him? A tear, The tearful hard man? I will call him that now. It the, hadn't the, occurred to me before, but the, yeah. You know, the... The, the, the sadness the, the, of the clown. The weep, the weeping savage. <laughs> it, that's, do you know what I mean? Like, so when he lost that's it... That's his nickname in Japan, apparently. Uh, weeping Brian savage. The weeping savage. As <laughs> 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 a fact I just made up. Yeah. Uh, moving on, Newcastle uh, lost four three at Liverpool again. That's, that's all there is to say about that. There's yeah. nothing really silly. Bad about that. I reckon that was a fix, by the way. I've always thought that. Yeah, it can't happen twice. You know, I reckon they got together and thought, "This is our brand now. Let's always have four threes. Let's always have four threes. It was box office. Yeah, let's make have it, it again. happen again. But do it. But, but sir, football is completely arbitrary. Do it. <laughs> do it. Make it happen. Do it now. Monday night, 8pm, <laughs> see you there. Um, it would be good if Sky became so cynical that they started advertising their games and what the scoreline <laughs> yeah. would be. Yeah. Monday night, tune in for a thriller. 4-3, Four Four three. Three. but we're not telling you to which team. Yeah, oh, you go, this Tuesday, a board draw. <laughs> <laughs> Southampton take on Huddersfield at St Mary's, a nil-all board draw. <laughs> Only three shots on goal. Be there, 8pm. Yeah. yeah. Um, sticking with Liverpool as well uh, in this season, Robbie Fowler did that thing where he got a penalty awarded. Do you remember that? A foul by David Seaman in and the penalty he... box and Fowler sort of stood up and shook his hands at the ref and said, no, no, it wasn't a penalty. Amazing. And the referee went, fuck you, it was a penalty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I know what I saw. It was a penalty. <laughs> and you're taking it, Fowler. Yeah, you're, you're fucking undermining me, yeah? Maxi's taxis, as we say. In yeah. the northeast, you made it, you take it. So Fowler <laughs> was forced to take this penalty, which was then saved by David Seaman. And um, someone rushed in and put the rebound in the back of the net. He didn't read the script. Do you, do you, yeah, do you reckon Fowler had told Seaman what way he was going to go? I wouldn't like to say. I wouldn't like to say for legal also, reasons. Also, do you think that Fowler was doing it because he didn't like the ref and he wanted to undermine the ref by saying your decision is wrong? Because it makes the referee look weak, doesn't it? And you think he would then and give him lots more decisions throughout the game. Maybe, I don't on know. On the back of it, I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm overthinking the extent to which Robbie Fowler was capable. I'm sort of seeing Robbie Fowler as a kind of a Kaiser Soze figure right. who is able to think in, in these elaborate plans at an yeah. instant. But it could just be that he was... He can see I mean, it, five it, steps ahead. It was ahead. fucking stupid. It was fu- I mean, I w- you would never... If you were a Liverpool fan, you'd be fucking livid, wouldn't you? Yeah. 
You're not like, oh, that's nice. That's nice sportsmanship. Yeah. I mean, Decanio playing for West Ham once at Everton, he, a cross came in and he more or less had an open goal. But rather than score it, he caught the ball um, because he had noticed that one of the Everton players was severely injured oh, and needed immediate yeah. attention. And everyone said, that's amazing. It's amazing. You think, you stupid cunt. <laughs> Sorry if I can say that. Of course you can. It's a podcast. Yeah, it's a podcast. <laughs> I mean, you're like, you fucking idiot. Yeah. What? <laughs> What I mean, kind of a man who cares? And also, it's fucking Paolo Di Canio, mate. You've been diving to get penalties all fucking season. You've been cheating. And now you decide when there's no need to fucking do it, suddenly you're Mr. Honest. I was fucking... Because it's always hard to get a result for West Ham at Goodison anyway, so... Do you think Di Canio had been totting up the, the, the good versus evil across the season and you think he thought he needed a couple of good things in the good He thought he needed column? one big good thing. And he thought that in one fell swoop. So that he would get would... into Mussolini heaven. Yeah, yeah. Probably something <laughs> like that. This is it! That's kind of about it for the for the 96-97 season. Manchester United won the league without mm. kicking a ball because Liverpool lost at Wimbledon and West Ham and Newcastle drew on a midweek night, which meant that United couldn't be caught. And they won the league on 75 points, which was the lowest ever total for a wow. Premier League champion. They only won 21 matches, I think, out of the 38 which is shite, isn't it? Yeah, so the, basically the competition wasn't that good. I remember Liverpool did run them close for a little while. but and they were no great chicks. They had Roy yeah, Evans running it was, things. Yeah, it was a Liverpool team with a weak backbone. And second, third and fourth, which was... Um, let's have a look at the table. It was Newcastle finished second, obviously. Arsenal and Liverpool all finished on 68 points, but only two teams got in the Champions League. So oh. second place was vital. Mm. And Newcastle got there on goal difference. So that's... That's fairly interesting if it's facts you've come for. Yeah. There, there's a fact um, for you. I, I believe from following, from interacting with our fans on social media that the main appeal of this podcast is the sheer weight of facts and data yeah. Yeah. that is available. Give us more of the factgasm, mm. I think is, is a popular yeah. phrase on social media. At the other end of the league, uh, relegated was Nottingham Forest. My Sunderland, it went down on 40 points. That's brutal, isn't it? Going That's down a shame, because they usually say it's the magic number. It's the magic number, but you're always, you're always safe on 37 or so these days. But we went down on 40. We were a decent team. We did our best. We were plucky. But never mind. 35 goals scored in 38 games. Not good enough. And the other team to go down, uh-oh, it's Brian Robson's Middlesbrough. Oh, on with the three points deducted. On 39 points, without the three points deducted, they would have been on 42. They, well, could, have, they, could, they could have sent a team of um, chimpanzees out at Blackburn in Middlesbrough shirts mm. and yeah. lost the game 11-0 yeah. and they'd have been on 42 and the, points. And they still would have stayed up. And they would have finished 16. With a team of chimps yeah. and they deserve what they got and more. Yep, and that... You know that signalled the end for Ravinelli and Emerson and Janino. Of course, that they were going to around. They lost the. Um... Emerson had to go back to his band. He did. It was a remarkable-looking chap, wasn't he? It was beautiful, glistening hair. He was a he was a bit like Rick James, mm. wasn't he? Very much so. It was uh, more so than any other player. Mm. If Rick James had rang, rang up Brian Robson and gone. Rick James, Howdy, Mr. Robson. <laughs> this is Rick James on the phone here. What did the five fingers say to the face? <laughs> Slap. <laughs> yeah. Have I got a player for you? <laughs> oh, hey. Um, Rick James. Oh, I was a You know, like, um, Super Freak was a canny song, like, but I'm not I've really never familiar, seen you play football. I'm not familiar with the rest of your back catalogue. I'm more of an <laughs> Earth, Wind and Fire kind of man myself, but I'll listen to what you've got to say because we're in a... 
<laughs> you know, we're in a results business. <laughs> um, before we go, let's do the sponsors <laughs> quiz that we usually do, oh, Sam, yeah, where I just throw some company names at you randomly and see if you know which club they had uh, on the shirts of which team that season. Vox Breweries. V-O... V-A-U-X. Vox Breweries. No idea. Sunderland. I nearly guessed that. You went a bit quick. I was going to say Sunderland as you my guess. You said I've got no idea, so I'll give you the answer. I knew it was Sunderland. Right, what's next? Sanderson. <laughs> you always do Sanderson, don't you? Yeah, and you always fail to remember it. Is it... Sheffield Wednesday? It was, yes! yes. Selnet. Middlesbrough. Correct. Because that was Steve Gibson owned it, I think. Did he? D- d- I'm not sure. No, he was a scrap merchant, I think, Gibson. Oh, yeah, he owned Selnet, Selnet. He's a rag sponsored... and bone man. Yeah, <laughs> Selnet <laughs> sponsored the stadium. It was the Selnet oh, stadium yeah, that's when it, it. owned. Um, AST Research. Fucking <laughs> hell. That's got to be the most boring sponsor of all time. Um, Jesus Christ, like Wimbledon. I can give you a clue if you oh, want. Oh, go on. AST Oh, Aston Villa? It was Aston Villa. Yeah. I've got no fucking idea what AST research was. And I'm sure there was no Villa fans watching from the Terrace no. going, oh, let's get some research done. Yeah, where I'm, can I'm, I go? I'm in the market for some research, Where can actually. I go? Oh, hang on. AST research. They sound good. Yeah. Finally, Walkers. Leicester City. That's dead easy. That's easy An easy yeah. one for you. And we'll end the episode with obviously a goodbye to someone. Dun, dun, dun. Eric Cantona retired at the end of this season. What a mad bastard. Completely. That's what I've got written down here. Mad bastard. Yeah. He was 30. Yeah. He had plenty he more football in the tank. This. He and could it, have gone on for another five years. Easily. He could have pissed about he in was like, America or wherever. Do you know what? Fuck this. Yeah. I'm going to grow a beard. I'm yeah. going gonna, gonna to write some fucking stupid books. I'm going to be in some films that no one sees. I'm going to be in a Ken Loach film. Yeah. And then after that, I'll probably end up flogging Cronenberg on the box. <laughs> what are you going to fucking do? In a slightly dubious advert, which, yeah. which suggests um, sexual assault. Yeah, in the French countryside. Yeah. Ugh, like a Gallic version of Straw Dogs starring yeah. Cantona. He went full circle, didn't he? Mm. Goodbye, Eric Cantona. Goodbye, Sam. Goodbye, 1996, 1997. Yeah. Up yours. <laughs> <laughs> here we go. 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 This is it. This is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.,